At the age of 26, best-selling author Cheryl Strayed strapped on a backpack and hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. Over the course of 94 days, she traveled from Mojave, California to the Bridge of the Gods in Cascade Locks, Oregon, just outside of Portland where she lives today. Four years after losing her mother who died of cancer, Strayed ventured into the wilds of nature in order to find a part of herself she felt was missing. With absolutely no experience in backpacking, she made the impulsive decision to deal with her unimaginable grief with an impossible adventure. I was in such a place of desperation at that moment in my life that, that I needed something big. You know, I, I needed a journey. I needed to go to get, get myself into a different place to, as I say in my book, to gather myself back to myself. And I knew that that wasn't going to be a bunch of day hikes you know, as I traveled in car camped. It needed to be a journey into the wild. While hiking the PCT, Strait encountered much of what you might expect on a long backpacking trip. But she'd find there was much more in store for her than bug bites, blisters, and sunburn. Along the miles of her journey, she discovered the strength to endure the pain and suffering of loss while coming to the understanding that like the trail before her, Life Goes On. I'm James Mills, and you're listening to The Joy Trip Project. Cheryl Strayed was the keynote speaker at the biennial breakfast meeting of the Conservation Alliance during the Outdoor Retailer Winter Market in Salt Lake City, Utah. I had the opportunity to talk to her about her book, Wild, and the circumstances that started her long journey after the sudden death of her mother. I was really in a place of total despair. I, I, it's strange for me to really remember it now because, you know, I'm 44 and I'm happy. I have this really rich, happy life. But at that time, I really felt like I didn't, I didn't feel that I could go on. I mean, I had worked myself into such a place of sorrow, um, you know, over the grief of my mother. But then the things I did in that grief brought me further down. You know, I made bad decisions. I was, you know, sexually promiscuous. I cheated on my husband who I loved. And that was, you know, really against my values. It was against the person I am. I'm not against promiscuity. I think it, it can have its, its, its moment but, you know, in a life, but it was not the good thing for me to be doing in that context. I was deceiving someone I loved. I was deceiving, really sort of violating, you know, a promise I'd made to someone I cared about. And then I got in, involved with drugs. And anyone who's ever, you know, been under the influence knows that those things, we, we reach for them because we think they'll make us feel better, and they always make us feel worse, you know. When you, when you reach for them in desperation, they make you feel worse. And so those things were all affecting my state of mind, too. And I got to the point where I thought, well, why should I? You know, why should I go on living? Who, who would care if I disappeared? And I was feeling so much pain that it was the first time I understood how it is that people would choose to end their lives. I wasn't, I wouldn't say... I was honestly considering suicide, but I felt that kind of pain. Why go on? Is it fair to suggest that you might have gone into the wild in, in active 
you know, not necessarily of self-destruction, but in, at that moment in time, perhaps to, to become reborn in a way. Yes. I mean, I think what I've been doing is, you know, throwing myself up against risk. I was doing dangerous things. I mean, I was shooting heroin. I was having sex with people I hardly knew, not always protected. I felt like I could take risks because I felt like, okay, nobody cares about me, so I don't have to care about myself, you know? And I was also coming to terms with, you know, back there, there's also my father, who was a, an abusive father, not a person in my life. I think when my mom died, the stuff with my father that I thought I had sort of resolved, which really I'd just resolved by burying, really emerged. And I felt that kind of sorrow too. So, you know, I think when I made the decision to go into the wild, it was like I needed to test myself, my strength against something, but it was like a positive risk. It was like, okay, I'm going to go be daring in a way that actually builds my soul rather than depletes it. Hmm. I get the impression from your book that you did heroin for the first time on impulse. It was, I, I would yeah. describe it as a very impulsive act. Yeah. And you also just a moment ago described um, heroin as the opposite of hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. Is it fair to suggest that, that hiking the PCT was also a compulsive act? I, I think the decision seems compulsive, you know, because it was like I'm standing in a line, I grab this book off the shelf, and I think, I'm going to do that. On the other hand, some of my best decisions have, have come at like that. And, and I think it wasn't, it didn't rise out of nothing. You know, just like my decision to use heroin, the, the, the woman who, who was offered heroin and said yes was a woman who was suffering, who was alone, who was in a state of despair, and willing to basically try anything. So that rose out of that moment. The woman who decided to hike the PCT was someone who was realizing that, you know, she'd gone way too far down an alley that she never intended to go. And I didn't know how to find my way back. But when I read about the PCT, I thought, it's going to get me somewhere. Walking that trail will lead me somewhere, and it will probably be somewhere good. So having made the, the hike, is there any point in particular that you felt a, a well, in, in reading, there's plenty of times I wish you had quit. <laughs> you, you, yes. you, you might have decided to, to turn around. But um, at what point were you especially glad to be on the PCT? There wasn't... A, you know, there might have been like a couple of days in, in those 94 days where I, you know, at the end of the day, didn't feel glad. You know, most days I, I would sit, I would make my camp, I would eat my dinner, and often in a state of just complete, absolutely shattered, you know, just physically shattered, like brought to the end, having hiked, you know, five miles beyond what I thought I could hike that day, you know, and, and I would just sit there and eat my little pot of food. <laughs> and watch the sunset. Or sometimes the sun had set already and watch the stars and listen to the coyotes or the, you know, whatever it was and just feel the immense beauty. And that was so profound. And so I always felt glad to be there, even though I'd spent most of the day, you know, complaining to myself in my head about how my feet hurt or something, you know. So was there a particular moment that was especially bad? There were many particular moments that were especially bad. You know, one day that always stands out to me is, is the day pretty early in my hike where I decided that I was going to quit. And it was, you know, I've had this terribly, ridiculously heavy pack. That, monster. That, exactly, monster. <laughs> that even like a big, big, strong man would have a lot of trouble carrying this pack, you know. And I'm, and I'm hiking and it's hot. I mean, it's, you know, it's 100 and whatever it is, it's hotter than anything. And there's no shade. And I realize... I have made a terrible mistake, and I quit. I just wanted out. 
as I write in Wild, I was like, I'm going to get off this trail. I'm going to get on a bus, and I don't care where it's going, but I'm, I'm getting away from here. And it was really the, you know, t- total despair. So at the end of the day, when you talk about, you know, the experience that you had in this backpacking trip, how, I want to make sure if I formulate this question properly. I mean, it's been a, it's been a long time. Why now? Right. I mean, what, 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 what's, what's changed that makes it important for you to tell this story yeah. today that, you know, it happened yeah. a very long time ago? Well, it's been like 17 years, 95. So, yeah, it was to the, it's, this summer it'll be 18 years. Okay. So, and I wrote it about 13 to 14 years after the hike. And I think that... You know, so much of that, you know, I always say, like, I didn't write Wild because I took a hike. I wrote Wild because I'm a writer. And what I had to say in Wild was, of course, about a hike. It was, of course, about a backpacking journey. But more importantly, it was about what that hike meant to me. And I couldn't really figure out what it meant to me, and you know, in a deep way, until first I had become the writer I am today, and that takes some time, but also the person I am today, to understand, like, you know, what is the perspective that the 40-year-old me could bring to bear on the 26-year-old me? And that's the deeper story of, like, what is it that we as humans seek when we set out on a journey? What happens when we suffer and we feel we, we can't go on? How do we go on anyway? And these are the bigger questions that I was asking through, the, like, the really smaller prism of my own experience. You're clearly a different person today. If you were to go back in time as the person you are today and talk to Cheryl at 26, uh-huh. what would you tell her? Well, what's interesting is I, I think that I'm, I'm, I know that I'm essentially the same person. You know, I really am the same person. It was just that I, I couldn't see then that, you know, time heals all wounds and, and that I, I felt stuck. Um, you know, when, and when you do experience big grief, there's a reason. I mean, it's a big loss, you know, and I was stuck in it. And I couldn't imagine that I would ever feel any other way. And, and what I've learned, that the older me wants to go back to the younger me and say, it's okay, you know, that you, that you, that you can survive this and you will. But it's going to take some, some effort on your part. And most of that effort's going to have to do with simply accepting, accepting that life is hard and that we all have losses and that we can move through them. When I was writing Wild, I, I sometimes, you know, shook my head at my, the younger version of myself. But frankly, more often than not, I felt a lot of love for the younger version of myself, and I felt uh, protective of her. And what would you say to the person who might be going out on the PCT for the first time now? Go do it. Go do it indeed. There's no question that it will lead to something beautiful, and that it's going to be hard. And the best medicine for difficult times I think is laughter because it is pretty funny some of the stuff that happens out there it is pretty funny in the end that that horribly heavy pack that monster that I couldn't bear now it's only like the punchline of a of a long joke you know (laughs) in memory so I think that sometimes really that to keep going you do have to to sometimes bring in some humor The book Wild is published by Knopf and is available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about the author and her other works and literature online at CherylStrade.com. For the Joy Chip Project, this is James Mills. Music this week by the Shanghai Restoration Project. The Joy Chip Project is made possible with the support of sponsors Patagonia, Railvac, and the New Belgium Brewing Company. 
And special thanks to the Conservation Alliance for arranging this interview. And thanks to you for listening. But you know, I want to hear from you. So please, drop me a note with your questions, comments, and criticisms to info at joycheerproject.com. Go be joyful. And until next time, take care.